This is the rant presented by Strive Sports. Benjamin Klein here with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Going to be covering the Yankees' win last night over the Astros to start their three-game set in the Bronx. And then also the Nets uh, lost their second game in a row to the Milwaukee Bucks last night. Going to be covering both of those games. Uh, but before I get to that, I just wanted to remind you all that you can listen to this podcast along with all the other Strive Sports podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can access them via the link tree in my Instagram bio at these Strive Sports. Also, you could scroll all the way down to the bottom and uh, access the Strive Sports TikTok where I provide a daily lay of the day where I give you three of my NBA locks or sports overall locks for any given day. Went three for three yesterday, won some money myself, uh, so it was a good day. Hopefully, it'll continue on to today, and I'll uh, make you guys some money. I also post my uh, hot and cold no-house advantage props for cash contest picks, where I give you one hot player that's going to hit over the line provided by no-house advantage, and one player that's going to hit under the line provided by no-house advantage. Went two for two on those picks yesterday, so it was a good day on my selections. I also went five for five on my riding the BK train picks, so stay tuned for later in the day for uh, riding the BK train. will be posted on Instagram, and you could also access it via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as I said before. Uh, also, definitely want more fan interaction. Uh, would love to interact with the fans more. Would love suggestions of uh, you know new topics, ideas that I could uh, implement into the shows. Uh, but love you all. You're the reason that I do this. So definitely want more interaction. Feel free to DM me, email me, connect with me on LinkedIn, whatever it is. Uh, I do this because I love talking sports and I love uh, doing that with other people, not just me ranting myself for uh, 30 minutes straight like I do on this. So, uh, you know, if anyone ever wants to um, comment or just actually, you know, come on the show with me and have a conversation uh, about their opinions on sports, feel free. I would love that. Get in contact with me. But going to get to the topic of conversation for today. Uh, that is being the Yankees and the Nets, going to start by talking about the Yankees and their 7-3 win over the Houston Astros last night. This was the first time the, Astro, the Astros have visited the Bronx since uh, their cheating scandal. Uh, you know, last year the Yankees only played against the division uh, in the regular season, which is why they didn't play the Astros. Uh, and either way, there were no fans, so we wouldn't have uh, gotten a feel of what the fans were feeling. I have a feeling, I mean, I know how I feel. Uh, I definitely have a dislike of the Astros. I feel like we could have won those series. Uh, I think that we had a better chance of beating, in terms of who's a better team, I liked those Astros teams, those two Astros teams that beat us. I like those teams more than I like that Red Sox team that beat us in the playoffs and that Rays team. So I am actually less disappointed in losing to the Astros than I am in losing to the Red Sox or the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, you know, we'll see really soon if those Astros players aren't as good as uh, as they were in the past when they were cheating, when they were apparently cheating. Uh, but when you have the na names like Altuve and Correa and Bregman and Springer and uh, 
and even more names uh, that I and you know uh, Alvarez and Guriel and uh, Tucker, you know, and Brantley. Uh, it's a really well-rounded team, so I can't get too upset at losing to that team. I mean, I, I think that this team, and obviously they're without Springer now, who signed with the Blue Jays. But I think that those Astros teams were better than the Red Sox team we lost to and the Rays. They had good pitching as well, the Astros, uh, when we're talking about Verlander and Cole and Granke and Morton and McCullers. I mean, they were stacked. They had really, really good talent on their team. So, uh, you know, I don't have a hatred toward the, towards the Astros uh, that many other people do. Um, I think that there is definitely a chance that we would have beaten them. Had they not cheated, uh, we brought them to seven games the first time we played them and six games the second time we played them. And if you don't forget, uh, that the second time we faced them in the ALCS, Altuve hit that walk-off home run in game six to advance them to the World Series. Uh, it was a pitch from Chapman that was a 90-mile-an-hour sli slider uh, on the outside of the plate and somehow small Jose Altuve is able to pull that to left center field, absolutely crushed it. Makes me feel like uh, he knew exactly wh what pitch was coming and where it was going to be located. Um, you know, you don't really pull a ball to left center field, a Chapman slider on the outer half of the plate. You don't pull that ball to left center field. So uh, it definitely was a shock. Not really even a shock to me. I'll tell you that uh, my you could even ask my friend Jacob Unger, who's been on the show in the past. Um, you know, I said after LeMayu hit the home run to tie the game uh, in the top of the ninth, that Altuve was going to, I saw that he was coming up the next inning and I said, it's over. Altuve is going to hit home run on us. It happened. Uh, Jake, if you're listening to this, I hope you comment and, uh, you know, comment and just solidify the fact that I, I did say that. Um, but getting back to the game last night, uh, great win for the Yankees, uh, 7-3. They get above 500 for the first time since like five games in now. Uh, now they're above 500 at home also at 8-7. and seven. Uh, I believe now they're on a four-game win streak uh, after sweeping the, the Tigers in their last series. I also think that they have won uh, since they split the series with the, with the Orioles. That means that they won uh, six out of their last seven, I believe. Because uh, they lost the, the the first game of the series to the Orioles, then they won the next two, and and then they lost the last one. Then they sweep the the Tigers. That's four out of five, and now this is six out of seven uh, with this win over the Astros. Uh, going through the averages for the Yankees right now, it's getting better. I mean, Stan had an unreal night last night. Four for five, uh, three RBIs, including that two-run homer in the first. Uh, for uh, one run, hitting 297 now, so making his way up to 300. Love to see that. Not even I don't even expect 300 at the end of the season out of Stanton, but you got to expect like at least 270 out of Stanton. So uh, nice to see that he has uh, gotten his average up. Would like to see the on-base percentage uh, increase a little bit. It's at 343 right now. That means that he's uh, not getting as many walks as I would like. Uh, but also Aaron Judge playing a little bit better, average up to 280, one for four last night, scored a run, 
Uh, his on-base percentage is higher than uh, Stanton's, even though he's got a lower average, showing that he's seeing the ball well, he's getting those walks. And then you look at Urshela, 274. So now, the, or at least in last night's lineup, the top four guys all hitting above 270, uh, starting to trend in the right direction. Also for Glaber Torres, he's hitting 240 now. Uh, he went over two last night, though, so he didn't help his average out last night, even though it's you know increasing from what it was a week ago. Uh, but he got three walks last night. That means that he's seeing the ball really well, I think. Uh, you know, he's got his on-base percentage 100 points plus above his batting average, showing that he's seeing the ball well. He's getting walks. Uh, some guys that aren't seeing the ball well, Clint Frazier hitting 143. He had an opportunity uh, to get an RBI in the first inning, but unfortunately drove in the run. But it was a double play, so he does not get the RBI for that. Um, it hurts his average also, so he was put into a clutch situation and did not come through. Uh, so that's not good to see because he could be, you know, one of the most important pieces of this team, Clint Frazier. Uh, he's already had some spectacular defensive gems throughout this season, uh, specifically that one against the Indians where he flew, literally flew through the air and snagging a, a, a very nice uh, line drive. But you know, he's struggling at the plate. 0 for 3 last night, grounded in the, into that double play that scored a run. Uh, Could have done way more damage on that, but unfortunately didn't. Uh, you know, he may even be seeing the ball a little bit better because his batting average 143 is on base percentage 286. That means that uh, he, he's getting a good amount of walks. He's seeing the ball well, but his slugging percentage is 271, and that's not good at all. Very much below average for him and uh, and just a re- any Yankees player. You, you don't want to see their uh, slugging percentage at 271. That is the lowest slugging percentage. Oh, second low. My apologies. Second lowest slugging percentage. Uh, my, my apologies once again. It is the lowest slugging percentage in the starting lineup, but Brett Gardner took a pinch hit for Clint Frazier, and he actually has an even lower slugging percentage. So, uh, you know, outfield has been a concern to start this year, other than Aaron Judge, I guess, at this point, with Aaron Hicks, uh, Clint Frazier, and Brett Gardner all struggling. Obviously, they got rid of Mike Taukman earlier uh, a couple weeks ago, so or a week ago. So the outfield has really been struggling between Frazier, Gardner, and Hicks. Uh, I'm not sure what the potential is for them this year. Obviously, you know, Hicks and Frazier have, you know, higher potential than Gardner, and they have higher potential than what they're doing right now. But uh, they're really just not not showing up uh, and it's showing. I mean, the t- originally I was saying how the top of the lineup uh, hasn't been showing up and the bottom of the lineup was playing a little bit better. Now it's the other way around. The guys who are supposed to play well are playing well. And uh, some of the and some of those guys who are supposed to be playing well, such as Clint Frazier, Aaron Hicks, Gary Sanchez, who didn't even play last night, Kaligashioka got the start, uh, are really, really struggling. And uh, if the Yankees want to get to, you know, where they should be, offensively, then uh, we're going to have to see better out of those guys. It doesn't matter if just the LeMayu, Stan, Judge, and Urshela play well. We're going to need to see better out of Torres. We're going to need to see better out of Frazier. We're going to need to see better out of Hicks. Uh, and even if Agashioka does become the starter, you still need to have a, a good backup catcher. So need to see more out of Sanchez. Uh, 
obviously would prefer for Sanchez to be the starter and Higashioka to come off the bench. But for that to happen, Sanchez needs to start playing better because Agashioka is taking advantage of uh, the opportunities given. Uh, you know, he went over three last night, but he got a walk and was still able to score a run. So, you know, he's he's making the most of the opportunities given, even if he can't get a hit to get on base, get a walk and work your way around the bases. Good old fashioned classic baseball. Uh, love to see that out of Gashioka, but unfortunately for the Yankees, although they did score seven runs last night. Um, Three of them, you know, coming from RBIs from uh, Giancarlo Stanton, and then uh, another three coming off of basically just a ludicrous play on uh, LeMahieu's infield single, uh, you know, and and then another run was scored off of a Frazier double play, which you know doesn't count as uh, getting a hit with runner to scoring position. Um, so basically, the Yankees went one for eight with runners in scoring position last night. Uh, Gashioka. 0 for 2, uh, Hicks 0 for 1, Urshela 0 for 1, Frazier 0 for 1, Judge 0 for 1, Torres 0 for 1. The only person that got uh, hit with the runners in scoring position last night was LeMahieu, and that hit was the roller to down the third baseline where the Alex Bregman, you know, had a bad throw to first base. Uh, people start clear rounding the bases, and then obviously that play with Mal. Maldonado and Odor happened uh, where Maldonado kind of lost the ball and he was reaching across the plate to grab it and while just while Odor was coming coming by and uh, Odor kind of hyperextended his knee a little bit running into Maldonado's like neck area over here uh, kind of like in between the shoulder and, and the head that type of neck area so uh, Odor's I believe MRI came back uh, negative today. I think that it means he was okay. He was also walking after it happened. I hope that Maldonado's okay. I haven't heard much about him. I'll just say, though, he's hitting 91 this year, so maybe not the worst thing for the Astros to give someone else an opportunity. Um, but I definitely hope that Maldonado's okay. But one for eight with runners in scoring position isn't going to do it again. And and the one for eight was the, like the worst hit that you could possibly imagine. Uh, so basically... You know, Stanton gets gets the single to right, um, and he scores LeMahieu after LeMahieu advances to second. Um, I'm not exactly sure why they didn't give, uh, you know, Stanton credit for hitting with runners in scoring position there because they most definitely did not. Um, but, uh, you know, they only gave him credit for, oh, maybe they did – no, they, they didn't give him credit for the home run or the single. The home run was, you know, LeMay was probably on first base, probably wasn't running runners in scoring position. But I know for a fact that when Stan singled that in the sixth inning, LeMay was on second base. That's how he scored. Uh, so I'm not sure why that didn't count. Maybe it was because of the error. That's why LeMay, uh, you know, advanced. Maybe it didn't count uh, as a runner scoring position. I don't know. I, I'm curious about that. Um but overall, just not a good performance with runners in scoring position again. As I said, Stan uh, gets that two-run homer to start off the game. And then another opportunity with runners in scoring position. Frazier doesn't come through. Grounds into a double play. Still scores a run. That's one run scored uh, basically from some BS. Um, and then uh, I'll give LeMahieu one RBI for that hit that he had. So two runs um, or th more like because one run was scored uh, – you know, in a valid way. And then the next two were scored via error on that LeMahieu infield single. 
So I'd say that total three of the seven runs were BS. Um, and, you know, two of them were via the home run. So still not coming up with uh, clutch with runners in scoring position. We left 10 runners on base. But the one positive thing that you could take from this is you look at what the Astros did uh, last night offensively. 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position, three runners left on base. Goes to show how well our pitching uh, played last night. Uh, you know, all three runs were given up by Domingo Herman in uh, his five innings pitched. No runs scored after the fourth inning. Uh, and Domingo Herman gave up two solo home runs. So that's kind of like the issue with the Yankees have that uh, kind of what I've been speaking about that the Yankees hit too many solo home runs uh, don't go for base hits and try to you know move the runners around the bases that's what the Astros did last night they had two solo homers off of Herman uh, and then the Guriel gets an RBI double but overall Herman does the job five innings pitched 83 pitches six Ks uh, and then the bullpen comes in for four innings pitched gives up four total hits uh you know, strikes out four guys between Lucky, Loizaga, uh, Peralta, who, who was acquired by from the Giants recently in that Talkman deal, and Chad Green. Uh, you know, just an outstanding performance from the bullpen and the pitching overall. Clearly, you know, you compare you compare the two sides. The Yankees go one for eight, leave ten runners on base. Uh, you know, they don't play well with the runners scoring position, but at least it means that the offense is working. We're getting guys on base. Uh, we're getting hits. We're getting walks. We're seeing the ball well. Uh, as for the Astros, they go 0 for 2, leave three runners on base. That means that they're they're not getting runners on base. They're not seeing the ball well, uh, and they're not doing what it takes to to be good offense or be at their best offensively. Just going for these solo home runs like Bregman and Brantley did uh, yesterday. The Yankees, you know, they need to hit they need to hit better in clutch situations with runners scoring position. But overall, can't complain too much about them winning this first game of the series over the Houston Astros. Uh, I might be attending the game tonight. I might be attending the game tomorrow. I'm only going to do one of the two. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but either way, very excited for this series. Uh, nice to see the Yankees capture their fourth win in a row. Um, tonight we have on the hill Jordan Montgomery, I believe, against Luis Garcia. Montgomery is 1-1 one one with a 4-3-9 ERA. But he has... Uh, had three no decisions, so he is really minimizing uh, the damage for the Yankees, uh, especially. I think it's even more impressive because knowing how little or how poorly the Yankees' offense has been playing so far this season, the fact that he's only 1-1 one one with a 4-9 ERA goes to show me that maybe he had a one or two bad starts, but overall uh, he has that one win and also three no decisions, so he's really minimizing the damage uh, for a Yankees team that is struggling offensively. Uh, unfortunately, though, we're facing this this guy, Luis Garcia. Uh, he has a 2.7 ERA. Somehow is 0-3 with that 2.7 ERA, though. So, going to see what happens. Maybe they give him bad run support. Uh, it seems like, although the, the Astros are, you know, above 500 on the season at this point, seems like they are struggling a little bit uh, offensively at this point, as, is, as are all the teams in Major League Baseball at this point. So excited for this game tonight. Excited for the game tomorrow. Uh, you know, can't wait to see how the fans continue to react against the Houston Astros. Uh, again, you know, I will hate those losses to the Red Sox 
and the Tampa Bay Rays more than those to the Astros. I, I respect that Astros team more just based on the names. Uh, again, maybe the names will lose their respect if you know they don't play as well uh, without cheating. Uh, that'll be a way to show that they weren't special uh, when they were cheating. Uh, but if they continue to play up to the level that they did when they were apparently cheating, uh, then put some more respect on their name or at least a little more than we have for them right now. Uh, but that's it for my rant on the Yankees today. Going to be moving on to talking about the Nets and their loss last night. So the Nets have now dropped back-to-back games against the Milwaukee Bucks and have now lost three games in a row total. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks now sit only a game and a half behind the Brooklyn Nets for the two-seed in the Eastern Conference. As I've told you in the past, the Nets are not a good team on the road. They need to take advantage of uh, the seeding and the home court advantage in the playoffs. Uh, they need to at least stay in that top two. Uh, you know, if they if they fall out of the top two and they move to three, who knows what could happen? I mean, the guys haven't been playing together. They're overall not good on the road this season, uh, with uh, their record being 18-15 on the road. Uh, they just lost back-to-back games to the Bucks on the road. That's huge. I mean, KD and Kyrie played in both of those games. They played both. I mean, at least KD played well in both games, and Kyrie played well last night. And it still wasn't enough. I mean, they combined, they scored a combined 70 points between Durant and Kyrie. Uh, that is, you know, obviously more than half of the team's total points. But again, as I've said in the past, maybe this is not the best way for the Nets to go because uh, they're not getting the other guys involved. They're role players, which I think have been have played such a key role in getting them to where they are now at this point of the season. When we're talking about Jeff Green. Uh, you know, he's had so many big moments for the Nets. He's only taking five shots uh, last night, two of three from three, 10 points. So he's he's efficient, but they're not giving giving him enough opportunities. Joe Harris, four of 10. All four of those makes were from three. He was four of eight from three. Uh, you know, when KD was not playing, he was getting more opportunities. He was playing better. They were getting wins. Uh, then you go to the bench. Nick Claxton only played five minutes last night. I'm not sure why. He has, he's missed a bunch of games. That's a questionable decision from my man Steve Nash. Then you look at Blake Griffin. Uh, three of five. Uh, that's efficient. Nine points. Um, you know, 28 minutes. He's getting more minutes than uh, DeAndre Jordan. The question now is, why does DeAndre Jordan start if Blake Griffin is going to get more minutes? DeAndre Jordan, two points, 0 of 1 from the field, 2 of 6 from the free throw line, missing four free throws. Another guy who missed uh, four free throws last night, Jeff Green, 2 of 6 from the free throw line. Uh, so these other players, you know, they seem to not play as well when uh, the Nets' best players are on the court in uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. The more of those guys that are on the court, it seems the worse that the uh, role players play. I mean, you look at Bruce Brown. He also didn't get that many minutes last night. Only 12 minutes. Uh, two points. One of two uh, field goals. For some reason, Mike James in less minutes is putting up more field goal attempts than those guys. Not complaining, though. He went four of six from the field. Two of four from three. Ten points. Uh, also, Landry Shamit. He's, he's another great example along with... Uh, you know, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and Bruce Brown. He went one for eight last night, one for six from three for three points. 
you know. So a lot of the role players last night were real no shows, uh, or they just didn't, you know, really make leave their stamp on the game. Usually, uh, I I see more out of Jeff Green and Joe Harris. Uh, and even DeAndre Jordan and Bruce Brown and Landry Shamit. So uh, the other guys, you know, I don't know if it's a, if if it's about the Nets going on the road and their role players don't play as well on the road, which is you know that's a real thing it, it, throughout the history of the NBA. Uh, overall, your team just doesn't play as well on the road. On the road, um, I'm sure it's the same for most teams, but. Uh, I definitely, you know, that's why you want to get that home court advantage when, when it gets to the playoffs. Uh, and unfortunately, this is slipping away from the Nets right now, especially in terms of the one seed. Uh, the Nets are now a game and a half back of the Sixers for the one seed. So, you know, if you're a Nets fan thinking, oh, we still have a chance for the one seed, then guess what? There's just as good of a chance that the Bucks pass you guys to get the two seed since uh, the Bucks are one and a half back of the Nets and the Nets are one and a half back of the Sixers. So, uh, there's just as good of a chance that the Nets move down to three as they as them moving up to the number one seed. Um, again, you know I don't expect them with the last whatever it is six games of the season to move up to that one seed. The Sixers knowing how important that one seed is, having the home court. Uh, I think that the Nets are going to stay in this two seed. They're going to start playing a little bit better. They just lost these. Back-to-back home games against the Milwaukee Bucks. You know the the team that is literally right behind them. Uh, huge losses. Uh, tomorrow they're going to be playing the Dallas Mavericks. It doesn't get any easier for them. Uh, but you know the, the Nets back-to-back losses for the Bucks. It's a really tough pill to swallow for Nets fans. Uh, especially because they didn't do such a bad job defensively. I mean, 45% from the field. You know. That's that's better than usual for the Nets, I think, or around the average. Thirty-seven point eight percent from three. Uh, you know that is, you know that that's good. That's okay for a team, but uh, for the Nets, that's pretty good to only allow thirty-eight percent from three. Unfortunately, though, Giannis was, uh, you know, maybe not feeling it from three last night, but he was willing to launch him from three. He went four of twelve from three. Uh, Drew Holiday four of six also. Bryn Forbes, four of seven off the bench. So uh, I don't know if they're gonna if their tactic is to let Giannis take these three pointers. Uh, I mean that would be my tactic if I was playing the Bucks, but it didn't really work out for the Nets last night. Uh, he scored uh, obviously he scored thirty six points last night, twelve rebounds, four assists. Uh, you know twelve of those points were off of three pointers. Um, you know twelve rebounds. Uh, Ten of them all defensive, two of them offensive. Uh, I'm just wondering who the hell is going to stop Giannis Tentacumpo uh, when it gets to the playoffs time. Playoff time, because I don't think that Kevin Durant is really the guy that should be guarding Giannis Tentacumpo. I, I don't think that that's a favorable matchup for him, and I don't want to see Kevin Durant get too tired uh, to you know play on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't think that I would waste Kevin Durant's body on uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I guess it would have to be Jeff Green uh, as the guy who's going to guard him. Uh, maybe even move Nick Claxton into the starting lineup. Oh, I mean, like, I personally like uh, Claxton over DeAndre Jordan. Uh, I don't know what the deal was with only five minutes last night. He has missed some games, but I really like Claxton. I would maybe consider putting a guy like him, unlimited energy on Giannis, but... I wouldn't waste my time putting KD on him. Uh, I, I don't know if they put if Jeff Green was mainly guarding him last night, but Jeff Green was minus eighteen. 
Uh, you know, <laughs> only two guys in the lineup were minus, and it was or three guys. I apologize. Uh, Kyrie Irving was also minus ten, but um, the guys, the two guys that were probably uh, had something to do with guarding uh, Giannis Tentacumpo were in the minus last night in that starting lineup. Jeff Green minus eighteen, DeAndre Jordan minus eight. Uh, you know, Nick Claxton plus one off the bench. That doesn't even mean anything. I just think that uh, his you know, it doesn't seem like he ever gets tired. He's always going. Uh, he's always he's got a good motor. So I truly do believe that Claxton could be a, not a stopper for Giannis, but a good matchup for Giannis when the Nets make the playoffs. Maybe they're holding that off uh, until the playoffs, and, and the Nets know that. But uh, another thing I'm concerned about the with the Nets, other than you know the chemistry concerns with not the three with the big three not playing together, uh, their issues on the road. Uh, and their issues on the defensive end. I also have my concerns with rookie head coach Steve Nash. Uh, in last night's game, the Nets were up going into the fourth quarter, and then the Bucks go on an 18-1 to run on the Nets. Uh, I believe that Steve Nash did that while sitting guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to start the fourth quarter. He probably thought that they had a little bit of a lead and went classic Nets from this season, decided to get some guys uh, a little more rest. Uh, next thing you know, Bucks going an 18-to-1 run. Not one timeout called by Steve Nash during that run. Um, you know, I love Steve Nash as a player. Uh, I, I wish him success as a coach. Not a finals, though. I don't want the Nets to win the finals. But um, I... Am concerned with, with with seeing that. I mean, you know, sometimes you just got to get a feel of the game, uh, and it seemed like he didn't have that last night. And uh, knowing that the Bucks were, you know, feeling it at that point, and the Nets were struggling, and their guys weren't even in the game, and still no timeout called. Next thing you know, uh, Bucks are taking a lead, and, and that's that. Um, it's definitely concerning. I mean, I, I'm watch. I watched the Knicks this year and Tom Thibodeau, and I see some of the best timeouts I've ever seen called. No joke. It's because I'm a Knicks fan. I'm saying that. I, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm siding with them. But I really do see a lot of amazing timeouts from Thibodeau. Uh, you know, if he sees the team going on any type of run, you know, we could be up by 16 points, and if they score four points in a row. Guess what Tibbs is doing? He's calling a timeout. And it's mainly going to be because he doesn't see the defensive intensity or effort that he wants to see out there. It's not even because uh, he thinks that they're about to just blow them out of the house. He just isn't seeing the defensive intensity and effort. Take a timeout. Talk to them. Uh, regather the group. Maybe make a change. Get a new guy in that's going to, you know, that is that is fresh coming off the bench. Uh, but, you know, that just didn't happen for Steve Nash last night. Steve Nash sees the Bucks. Absolutely destroying them, going on an 18 to, in the midst of going on an 18 to 1 run. Doesn't do anything, doesn't make any changes, doesn't even call a timeout uh, to try to talk it over and try to stop the run. Literally waits until the Bucks take the lead and is like, okay, I'm going to call a timeout and uh, get my guys back in the game now and hopefully we'll still win. And it didn't work out. So, uh, you know, they're. It's not that easy to just become a coach. Like I was shocked when the Nets decided to hire Steve Nash. I agree. You know, I, I like the hire of guys like Steve Kerr, former players, 
uh, guys that can really connect with the players and, and know what the players want to hear on a daily basis uh, as the coach, especially, you know, Steve Nash being a former star player. Uh, star players want to be treated differently most of the time uh, than regular players, especially when you look at guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Definitely guys that don't want to be, like, yelled at on the bench by their coach. Um, and I don't think that Steve Kerr really did that ever to Kevin Durant. I don't think that I would see Steve Nash doing that to Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. Um, I'm not asking for him to do that either, to yell at his players. I like the idea of having a coach that knows what the players want, is you know, calm, cool, collected, able to really uh, vibe with the players. You know, as a young former player and knows what the players want. But at the end of the day, he doesn't have the experience to know when to call the right timeout. What maybe he doesn't even necessarily know uh, what the best lineup to put out there is. I mean, DeAndre Jordan starting right now? I don't think so. I think that Nick Claxton is a better player. Again, maybe it's because of his uh, recent games missed that he hasn't that he played less yesterday and maybe didn't start. But I, I like Claxton a lot. I'm just questioning Steve Kerr's decision making. Uh, and it's going to act and you may think that coaching in the NBA isn't a big deal when it comes down to it, but I guarantee you that that's not true because coaching has a lot to do with defense. Uh, you could see that just with what Tom Thibodeau's done this year and throughout his whole entire career. So coaching has a lot to do with defense and you have to call timely timeouts, uh, to stop teams from going on runs. And Steve Nash, you know, hasn't really shown anything impressive in terms of uh, improving the Nets on the defensive end this year. Obviously, they're great offensively. The sky's the limit uh, offensively for the Nets, but the potential defensively is there is a ceiling there, and it's not that high. And Steve Nash has done nothing to try to break through that ceiling. Um, and, you know, it's just after watching last night's game and that 18-1 run and no timeouts, it makes me question if he's going to be able to make the, the right calls when it cuts to uh, playoff time and, you know, everything matters that much more, especially for the Nets, who really it's a lost season for them if they don't make the finals. I'm not even going to say win the finals, just make the finals. I mean, James Harden's never made the finals. Uh, Kyrie Irving hasn't made the finals since he was on the Cavs. Uh, Kevin Durant would be returning. to this. So it would be a great story. Uh, but it is a disappointing season if the Nets don't win the Eastern Conference. Uh, no matter what you say, you won't be able to convince me of anything uh, other than that. That is why I am concerned with Steve Nash as a rookie coach. Uh, you know, he's going to be the guy that's really going to lead them. Uh, I don't think that out of the three guys, uh, their big three, I guess I'd say that Harden might be the best leader of the three, uh, and he hasn't even been playing. So it's the issues with defense, with chemistry, uh, you know, coaching, uh, play on the road. It, it's just uh, so many issues with the Nets going into the end of the season. Uh, they have a lot to prove. The only reason that there are issues for the Nets is because they have such high expectations. That's why. Uh, you know, if they didn't have such high expectations, then, you know, it would be everyone would be very, very happy, just like with the Knicks right now. Obviously, everyone is very sufficient with what's happening with the Knicks right now, although they obviously could be playing better. You know, actually, no, they couldn't be playing better. Uh, but there were times in the past where I would say, oh, I'm happy with how the Knicks are playing right now, even though they could have been playing better. And now you see Thibodeau has broken through the ceiling that, that was created for the Knicks uh, and brought them to another level. 
um, defensively, offensively, and uh, it's just something that Steve Nash has not really done for the Nets this year. Uh, haven't really seen Steve Nash be, be so impressive. He'll have a lot to prove when the playoffs come around, but definitely not a Coach of the Year candidate in my book. Uh, put Thibodeau, Quinn Snyder, um, the Suns head coach. The Suns head coach. I'm I'm blanking on it right now. Um, but he, he's definitely ahead of Steve Nash. There are plenty of guys that should be ahead of Steve Nash. Uh, but those are my concerns for the Nets after you know losing three in a row and back-to-back against the Bucs. Uh, great win for the Yankees last night. Excited for the game for the game tonight. Knicks playing tonight against the Denver Nuggets. Also very excited for that. Can't wait to be back tomorrow with you guys ranting on Yankees, Mets, uh, Knicks, uh, also forgot to mention throughout the show, but the Mets game got postponed last night. That's why I didn't cover the Mets. Uh, not sure if they're playing a doubleheader today or if they're just, uh, postponing it to another day, but that's it for my rant today. Once again, you can catch this podcast along with all the other Strive Sports podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can access them via the link tree in my Instagram bio at the Strive Sports. Also, stay tuned for my lay of the day on TikTok and my uh, hot and cold picks on TikTok uh, at the Strive Sports, where I provide you with uh, one hot over pick and one cold under pick for individual player lines provided by No House Advantage. That's it for my rant today. Benjamin Klein out on this Wednesday afternoon. Peace. I'll see you tomorrow.